Happy Saturday, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. As you're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, spring planting and the summer harvest brings a bounty of fresh food, fruits and vegetables to gardens and markets. And incorporating lots of fruits and vegetables in your diet is a great way to maintain a healthy weight. You know, Americans and East Tennesseans in particular have an obesity epidemic. You know, according to the CDC, only one in 10 Americans eat the recommended daily servings of fruits and vegetables. We have lots of choices when it comes to where to get our produce and whether we get organic or not. Most of our grandparents, our parents had a garden and brought fresh staples from the farmer down the road. These days, it's just more convenient or cheaper to consume prepackaged foods instead of finding new recipes and learning how to cook good, fresh vegetables. Today, our guest is no stranger to the farmer's market scene and fresh food initiatives right here in Knoxville. Charlotte Tolley is the executive director and founder of Nourish Knoxville, it's a nonprofit organization helping to create a healthier community and supporting relationships between local farmers, producers, and the public. Charlotte was a Knox News Sentinel 40 Under 40 recipient and is a graduate of the Haslam College of Business. Welcome to the show today, Charlotte. Hi. Hello. Yes, it's great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about uh, Nourish Knoxville. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, we are a nonprofit organization. Um, this We were founded in 2013, but it really was started because of our work with the Market Square Farmers Market, which started in 2004. So, you know, our base is farmers markets, um, but we do a lot of work at markets to increase access to fresh fruits and vegetables, um, as well as, you know, partner with other nonprofit organizations for educational activities. Um, and now we do um, a lot of things around just education. So we produce a East Tennessee local food guide that covers now 33 counties in, in East Tennessee. Um, and we do some, we've done some pandemic response work as well that we can talk about that, that's pretty new to us. Sure, yeah, we definitely want to get into all that. So the farmer's market, you know, the, the modern version that started in 2004 at the Market Square, is that what really fueled your passion? to start Nourish Knoxville? Yes. Um, I was helped. There were a lot of people involved at the beginning um, starting the Market Square Farmer's Market, which, you know, there's not much not to like about farmer's markets. Um, there were people just hoping to get people back downtown. There were people wanting to bring more customers to their stores and restaurants that they had opened. There were folks that wanted to increase access to food to the downtown community. And um, I helped start that market, um, partly because I really, really just love Knoxville um, and thought that Market Square should be returned to its glory of a place that is a curb market for farmers forever, which is what the, the land was donated to the city for. Um, and it was slow going for a while, but we worked with farmers and artisans throughout the community and grew exponentially over the years, but there is still a lot of work to be done. You know, not everybody wanted to even shop at a farmer's market and farmers really need more than just one good Saturday market to be farmers. You know, peaches don't just ripen on Friday. 
So um, our first things after that were starting a winter farmer's market and then doing the local food guide and so we can kind of float all the boats by promoting all the various ways people can access local farms. Well, and they have become, the farmer's markets really have become very, very popular in the in the last few years and in the, really in the last decade. Um, I believe the Market Square one is the most heavily trafficked, but how many different farmer's mm-hmm. markets are there every week throughout the area? Um, in Knox County alone, I believe our number this year is eight. Um, so there are, you know, between 30 and 40 in East Tennessee. So there's no shortage, really. Um, it, not every neighborhood has their own, but there's, um, you know, a Tuesday market in Ebenezer Road in Knoxville. There's one in Farragut on Saturday. Um, ours is on Saturday, normally at Market Square, but right now we're at the Knoxville Civic Auditorium and Coliseum during the pandemic. Um, there's a – we run the New Harvest Farmers Market on Thursdays. Um, and then in Anderson County, just right over the border, there's Oak Ridge Farmers Market and Hardin Valley Farmers Market and now a new Clinton Farmers Market. So, yeah, there, yeah, there's there a lot are of great options. Of <laughs> now, uh, the Farmers Market has a lot of vendors. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the I mean, of course, we think of produce, but to people surprised, there are dozens of booths with booths with a lot of different offerings. So mm-hmm. walk us through some of the types of vendors you have at a farmer's market. Yeah, I mean, of course, people think of those draw crops, you know, peaches and corn and blueberries, like homegrown tomatoes, the kinds of things that really do taste a lot different if you get them fresh um, and you can find more variety of. But, you know, even farming, there's all sorts of things that people raise and grow. There's mushrooms, there's, I mean, all kinds of meat, chicken, goat, lamb, um, and then, you know, honey and people who grow cut flowers or plants. Um, There's all kinds of just, you know, farmers doesn't mean that somebody that necessarily just grows produce. Um, There's a large variety there. And then we have food producers, so people that do, you know, dried fruits and vegetables that are made into processed foods or baked goods or food trucks. So there's some things to be consumed on site. And then not all markets include crafts. Ours do to some extent. We have a small selection of craft vendors as well, some of which, you know, we have like a broom maker that uses local wood for her her sticks. And then everything from pottery to crochet and jewelry. Um, so it creates a really its own community of people, um, you know, our vendors support each other and it creates this whole day event that you can find a lot of what you would need. Yeah, and it, it's funny when I, when I, when I'm at a farmer's market or I even talk about a farmer's market, it reminds me of my grandfather because my grandfather, mm-hmm. he was the, um, he was a horticulture guy, but he was head of, uh, he, he did agriculture stuff for the University of Tennessee and helped kind of develop the Cumberland Plateau area. But he had a peach orchard in Lenore City, mm-hmm. right off the interstate. And I'd, we'd loved going there and, fre- and, and f- picking fresh peaches. And then he also grew fresh strawberries at his place up in uh, actually Ozone, Tennessee, which is right just oh, in yeah. his, yeah, his, his house was just right down the road from Ozone Falls which yeah. of course is beautiful and uh yeah but anyway for 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 whatever reason when i see farmers markets i always think of him and those fresh mm-hmm. peaches and strawberries and of course strawberries are hard to grow 
you know, they're not they the easiest are, thing in the world. And he, <laughs> yeah, and he was good at all of that stuff. But it just it just brings back so many great memories. But now there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about there. There's so many produce delivery services that have really taken off, especially with, since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, a national one is Misfit, and there are numerous Knoxville produce delivery services. Are there any advantages or disadvantages of these types of services versus shopping for produce in a grocery store? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic definitely sort of hastened the growth of some of those kinds of some that were already in the works. Um, we work with a company called um, Farm Grub. They're a sponsor of our, our Kids Cup programs, and they had reached out to us a couple years ago before the pandemic, um, and they're more of like an online grocery, so they work with local farms, but also non-local and some artisan food producers, and you can go on their website, and they deliver to your house, and they're in Knox and Blunt County. Um, so, you know, it turns out to be a really great way to get produce pretty quickly um, because also, I mean, farmer's markets have very limited hours um, and there's very few full real grocery stores that you can find a lot of local produce in. Um, and companies like that are able to stock some like artisan food products. So they have some folks that make things in Nashville that you're not going to really see on shelves here. So it does give you a new you know, something new and exciting to look at. Um, And if you're, you know, pandemic or not, if it's just difficult for you to find the time to shop or, you know, have mobility issues or whatever might prevent you from shopping in person, you know, it can be really helpful. And there's a few other models that have started. I mean, I think it really started with the pandemic. There are a couple of farms that started doing their own aggregation and some home delivery um, or common pickup spots. We work with a farm, Two Chicks and a Farm in Jefferson County that was already doing sort of a CSA where you could join their CSA and then you order every week what you want and you meet them in various parking lots across Knox County and Jefferson County to pick up your order every week. And there, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit, people who had been, you know, maybe ordering every once in a while were like, these are my farmers, they're going to bring me stuff, I trust them. Let's do that. Um, And so, you know, it was just really interesting how some of that pandemic affected positively some of what farmers were already doing. It just, you know, made people more aware and appreciative of, of that kind of thing. Yeah, there's all change can always be, ultimately be a positive thing, and there are so many options in this area, and that's what we really want to get into. We're visiting with Charlotte Tolley. She's with Nourish Knoxville. When we come back, we'll have more with Charlotte. We'll also talk about her program that Nourish Knoxville started, Market to Go, and uh, we'll talk about some of the some of the the concerns or the challenges with getting the right kinds of fruits and vegetables. So please stay with us as we're listening to more living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to more living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We air every Saturday uh, at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You can catch us in both hours if you miss part of the program. We're visiting this morning with Charlotte Tolley. There are so many great healthy options in the Knoxville area with farmers markets and, and the like for fresh produce and, and food, fr- fresh options that, that benefit local East Tennessee people. And uh, we're talking to Charlotte. She is the uh, founder of Nourish Knoxville, a nonprofit in Knoxville that helps support uh, 
the farmers market out market square and the kind of the initiatives to to help the farmers in in east tennessee and uh, Charlotte, I know that uh, you started a program, or Nourish Knoxville, I believe, called Market to Go that offers online shopping and delivery or pickup in Knoxville and Oak Ridge, which, of course, we were talking about some of those options there in the last segment. Tell our listeners more about this option. Yeah, that was actually started by Grow Oak Ridge. Um, they, we both run a winter farmer's market, um, and we were we work fairly closely with with their organization and um we opted for our winter market which is normally indoors to be outdoors at the mary Costa plaza where our summer market is um because of covid19 and shorten our hours and then they were staying indoors at their location but really wanted to figure out better ways to do on-site pickup um, we'd both sort of seen the the issues with trying to pre-order separately from farmers that come to our market throughout the summer and then aggregate those. Um, it was difficult for the farmer and the customer. So um, Rebecca Williams, who's the um, ma- market manager at Grow Oak Ridge, um, researched all the software and went with one called Local Food Marketplace and invited us to be a part of it. So. They and we ran Market to Go for both of our winter farmers markets. Our last one of those is is next week, April 17th, will be the last winter market day. And we work with farmers, so they control their own stores. I mean, it's sort of like an Etsy or or something like that, where each vendor puts the products they want to sell on the platform. And then the, there's a there's an order window, so Monday through Thursday of that week, um, customers can go on and shop for what they want, and then pick it up at whichever location they're they're shopping at. So um, it was a really easy way to add a little bit more to our our market throughout the pandemic. Um, we actually are not continuing that program um, in the summer markets once we have three markets a week that we're running. Um, Grow Oak Ridge is continuing it so that they are doing a pickup every Saturday um, at Dean's Restaurant on uh, Jackson Square, which is where the main farmer's market in Oak Ridge is as well. So um, it's been a really interesting program and a process. Um, it's been really great for the customers that love it. And, you know, some of it, some farmers are into it, some are not. Um, you know, some love that they can just put some stuff online, know that it's sold, pre-bag it and get it there. Some would rather just bring everything, put it out on a table, especially in the winter. There's just, there's not a lot of fresh produce. I mean, it's winter. And so most of those farmers are selling out, um, but our, the meat vendors, eggs, honey, you know, they're going to have product and it really helps them to just put some of that online as well. And people can pick those up. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the USDA, Charlotte, recommends, uh, depending on somebody's age, up to 12, even 13 servings of fresh fruits and vegetables daily. And I know, I know most of us are so concerned about how our produce is produced. You know, can, can you talk a little bit about the difference in, in shipping produce? Like if the difference in something that's freshly picked here in this area versus something that's shipped from several states away or even from overseas? Yeah, a lot of our produce 
is from Mexico or California. Um, those are really common places um, where it's warmer or they have, a, you know, different climates. Um, you know, a lot of our fruit comes from Florida as well. Um, so, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. I mean, as I mentioned, there's not a lot of produce that grows locally in the winter. There is some and you have to seek it out. But, you know, it may work better for some people to, especially in the winter, if you want strawberries, you're not going to find them locally. Um, they're not going to be as good, in my opinion, but I'm of the I'm going to eat all of the strawberries when they're in season until I get tired of them. And then yeah, I, I do have to tell you, Charlotte, when I, <laughs> when I travel, of course, I haven't done much of that in the last year. But when I'm in California, the strawberries out there are amazing. When you, when mm -hmm. you, you know, when you're actually in California and eating them local, they're unbelievable. Yes. I mean, that's one of the things I do when I travel as well. I mean, we were in um, Oregon, I guess it's two years ago now, um, and they have all of the tree fruits. Um, so we're eating, you know, different kinds of plums, and it's just very exciting. Um, and here, you know, we have a native grape, the muscadine. Like, you don't find that other places, and um, not everyone's into them. I am, but they're, you know, we have our own local fruits and um Pawpaws have a resurgence of excitement. So um, I think that it's very exciting to eat in season. Um, and often you can find, you know, sometimes if there's a glut of something, it might be a little bit cheaper and you can buy some things in bulk and put them in the freezer. But, you know, the advantage of having easily shipped fruits and vegetables is that there is something available all year if you're trying to add more fruits and vegetables into your diet. Um, you may also freeze things in season and, and consume them over the, the winter time. Um, but when you come to a farmer's market, it's all really fresh. Um, and there's a lot of varieties that, that don't ship well, um, especially heirloom tomatoes or even peaches that are often picked not quite ripe so that they can ripen later. Um, and because they're very delicate and would be hard to ship otherwise. Um, sure. So, now, tropical you know. fruits, you know, bananas, pineapple, mango, mm -hmm. you know, they're kind of hard to f grow in the continental United States. Yeah. So we depend a lot on mm -hmm. international shipping. But is there a downside to that? I mean, when we get our produce, you know, when we get that overseas. Yeah. I mean, if you are committed to eating bananas, then you're going to have to get them from somewhere else. Um, and there's not really a replacement for a banana. Um but there's oh, a lot a of banana though. Yeah, I mean people love a banana and if you even if you know for myself as well like perhaps I'm eating a banana or using it in a smoothie but it'll also have my local strawberries that I've frozen away. Um so you can you know combine the two. But you know when you're looking at really large scale economies I mean there's there've been a lot of a lot of research and um, stories coming out lately about, you know, the issues with farm workers and how, you, I mean, it really, you have to think about how it's grown and it's often gassed or, you know, using other kinds of chemicals to make it ripen when you want it to. And, um, you know, you mentioned misfits earlier. And one reason that happens is if you're buying produce on a, at a grocery store or, somewhere like a more larger institution they're graded and so you know they're looking for zucchini that are a certain size and weight and that's what they need to be but that's not necessarily what all the zucchinis are going to be so misfits is one that that takes those 
extras, the things that grow that don't quite fit into the case sizes that they're supposed to, um, that are completely good, they're just a little bigger or a little smaller um, and get those hmm. to people as well. So um, that's a good idea. And yeah. Um, now, let, let, in the organic area, so, you know, not mm -hmm. everyone can afford to, to buy and eat everything organic. So if you have to be selective, what type of produce is best to eat organic? And when can you, you know, what, what, what types of produce, you know, is it okay, you know, you go ahead and shop in the normal section of the produce department? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate about organic, um, you know, and there's there's people who choose organic over local or they choose, um, you know, it. organic is an actual government certification as well. I mean, to use USDA certified organic is a very specific and it can be expensive for the farmer as well to be certified organic. Um, so a lot of growers that sell to farmers market or, or direct aren't going to be certified organic because they talk to their customers and, and they can talk about what they do and you know maybe they do use some pesticides occasionally if they really need to to save a crop but they don't normally um, so that's one advantage of, of shopping direct from a farmer is just kind of getting to know them and asking questions and what you're comfortable with um, and a lot of them use organic methods. A lot of them don't. Um, it's really all over the board. Um, but when you're shopping at something like, you know, your local food co-op or a Kroger, that certification does help you know the difference in those growing methods. Um, and, you know, there's there's a few publications online about, you know, the, the dirty dozen of um, the fruits and vegetables that maybe take a lot of pesticides to produce um, or retain that. Strawberries are one that come up a lot. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people to, to look up some of the ones that are more destructive if they're not more organic. Um, but it's really important to eat fruits and vegetables regardless. And so if the choice is between no produce um, or organic, or, you know, if you have the choice to get conventionally grown, otherwise you're not going to eat any produce, you know, still eat the produce. It's still going to be good for you. Well, that's a good point. Um, we tend to be perfectionist sometimes and, it, oh, if I can't get the absolute perfect thing. But I've always heard, you know, obviously the more, you know, fr fruits where you're not going to be eating the skin or maybe not as, mm -hmm. you know, it's not as important as where you're going to be eating the skin, that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. i tell you what, we're visiting yeah. with Charlotte Tolley. She's with Nourish Knoxville. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about uh, all the different great options here in East Tennessee. We're also going to have our dollars and cents segment. When are we likely to see economic growth? And how might this new infrastructure plan from Joe Biden that's been proposed, how might that affect our economy? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with Charlotte Tolley and talking about all the great local uh, fresh food options, produce. We're going to get a little bit more into meats and how our local restaurant scene has really impacted uh, the ability of local farmers to bring stuff to us. Uh, before we get back to Charlotte, it is time for dollars and cents. When are we likely to see economic growth? 
Where is our economy headed? How fast will it grow post-COVID? And how will President Biden's infrastructure plan affect it? You know, there's definitely pent-up demand in the economy, both here and abroad. You know, savings rates are the highest they've been since shortly after World War II. So in other words, people are hungry and ready to get out and consume, I think, and, and do things and produce economic activity. So keep in mind, it's not just how much money is in print and in circulation because the Federal Reserve has been you know, printing a lot of money every month, but it's also what's going on with that money. How fast is it circulating through the economy and resulting in gross domestic product? And the, the, the speed at which the money cycles through the economy is called the velocity of money. So one of the reasons we haven't seen tremendous growth and rebound is because the velocity of the money has not quite come back. But we have all this pent-up demand, savings, people are ready. So I think things are poised for some good things. Now, Moody's chief economist said that President Biden's infrastructure plan, so that's been proposed, could actually marginally slow the economy during the short term. And one of the big reasons for that is corporate tax hikes could offset the plan's price tag at first, but the benefit of new infrastructure spending might not happen until later. So you may get an, in, an immediate, especially on the corporate income tax, if that does go up from 21 to 28%. Well, you and I both know that that gets filtered down to you and me, the consumer, when we have higher corporate income taxes. It just gets filtered right down. And we ended up paying it. Uh, so, you know, the infrastructure spending, I do think, is extremely important. I think infrastructure is a great way uh, to really get kind of reset a new economy and get back to full or at least closer to full employment. Uh, but, you know, at a cost of over $2 trillion, we could end up seeing increased income taxes. How do you pay for it? It's just a tough balancing act. And we're already at such enormous levels of debt. So bottom line is we live in uncertain times. And I think retirees and soon-to-be retirees need to be prepared. And, you know, interest rates are very, very low. So the bond market is not very attractive on the long term. Uh, because the interest rates are so low. And, and remember, if interest rates go up, bonds values go down. So either bonds aren't paying much or interest rates go up and they do even worse. And yet we're starting to see signs of a little bit of inflation. Taxes are likely to rise, especially in the longer term. And markets are unpredictable. And one of the keys to being successful in the long term is to be in the market surges, it, to be invested when we have market surges. But that means you're probably going to be invested when we have market declines and corrections. So the key is to put together a comprehensive plan that factors all that in. We're going to have good markets. We're going to have bad markets. You need stability of income in the short term in retirement, but you need growth of income in the long term. So having a comprehensive plan should address all of these challenges. 
please do check us out. More living, excuse me, at broganfinancial.com. Uh, if you click on radio, you'll find our, our more living podcasts, both our radio show and our dollars and cents segment. Also, our retirement minutes that air every week on this station. Also, my upcoming University of Tennessee has their adult education class, Financial Survival for Retirement. It's two two two-hour sessions. It's on May the 4th and the 11th. I teach the class. I'd love to see you there either in person or virtually. We're doing it both ways coming up. You can find out more about the syllabus. I I cover seven key areas I think all retirees and soon-to-be retirees need to be addressing in their financial plan, in their retirement plan. So you can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com, and you can download the syllabus. Uh, Also, click on a link to register. If you want more information about all of our classes, you can go to broganfinancial.com. Click on classes. I'd also urge you to subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter where I basically just put out information, links to the content that I regularly produce, which is really just, I try to give you great information in plain English so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So do check us out at broganfinancial.com. You can follow us at, at Facebook and at Twitter. Today we're visiting with Charlotte Tolley. She's with Nourish Knoxville and you know our health probably the most important thing we need to take care of. It doesn't really you know if you spend all your wealth if you spend your health trying to gain wealth and you know later in life you're going to spend your wealth trying to increase trying to keep your health. And there are so many great options locally that's good for the the local community and the local economy. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Charlotte, is, you know, not all of us have a green thumb or, or time for a big garden, but there are some simple things you can do in either a small garden or a container garden. What are, what are some things we can do that are pretty easy to grow ourselves? Yeah, I am one of those people. I mean, I think probably one of the reasons I started a farmer's market is sort of a those who can't do teach. Um I love my parents had a garden and we grew things growing up, but I had, didn't have my own land and I just wanted people to grow and make me things and bring it to me. Um, so, but there's things that I continue to do and, you know, herbs are a really great one just because it's, they tend to be small um, and it can really add a lot to anything that you're making. Um, I have just a few little containers on a windowsill of, you know, oregano, um, basil in the summer, and a few of those kinds of things around all the time. Um, And, you know, uh, there's not, especially in the South, I mean, everybody wants a homegrown tomato. Um, They do take up a decent amount of space, but there are varieties that grow well in a container. Um, You don't need to have a whole bunch of plants, and especially little cherry tomato varieties. There's some that grow in hanging containers that, you know, you can basically just walk out on your deck and have a little snack whenever you feel like it. So those are what I recommend the most, but um, I think having an herb garden around or even if it's not all the time and you just put a little plants in your windowsill, um, it can really add a lot of value. Yeah. We've had times where we've had an herb garden that my wife did and it was always so cool and great herbs. Now the farm to table movement has been very popular in the past few years and Many local companies, you know, we've got Cruise Farms, Benton's Bacon, which, of course, Benton's really famous throughout all the United States. Mm -hmm. They're right here in our backyard, and there are many others, and they're on restaurant menus throughout Knoxville. So how have the partnerships between farmers and restaurants 
change the perspectives of our community when it comes to accessibility of fresh ingredients. Yeah, I mean, and the ones that you're talking about are, are things you can get year-round, so that really helps. Um, you know, when you're talking about dairy, they're getting milked all the time, um, and so there's there's a few things that I would credit to. Um, you know, the presence of, of Blackberry Farm has really helped to elevate, like, Appalachian cuisine, if you want to call it that, or just southern food um and well and you, you mentioned blackberry farm you know a lot of the chefs that have been there mm-hmm. have then started local you know with some of our best restaurants in this area were started and owned by uh you know former blackberry farm chefs yeah and it's created it's a really... i mean it's really almost a, a worldwide culinary well known for culinary all over the world and it's right here in our community right. and then that's as you mentioned i hadn't even thought of that but that's had a huge impact Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, Benton's actually credits BlackBerry for, and it's interesting, you know, people often don't really, they take for granted the kinds of things that are in their backyard. And so once you've, you know, Benton's was shipping to restaurants in New York and California, but BlackBerry put it on the menu. Um, and the same with Cruise Farm, you know, they, they used Cruise Farm milk and, you know, helped build their brand. Um, and so having, Someone like that that can help elevate those kinds of things um, has helped. And then bringing in chefs, you know, people that that we, our former board member, Matt Gallagher, owns Knox Mason and Amelia in downtown Knoxville. And, you know, he worked at Blackberry for a long time and then started his restaurants in Knoxville. And, you know, there's J.C. Holdway and Adopo and these other restaurants for Blackberry alums. And they, some of them work together. So it's really created this sense of community between chefs as well um, when they worked together before and then can, you know, help each other with their new restaurants and they have farmers that they worked with at Blackberry or another place that they worked. And so that as, and then there, as there are a few more restaurants opening, then, you know, farmers can step up for that demand and um, it just builds a bigger community. Yeah. You mentioned J.C. J. Holdway, Joseph Lynn. I mean, that, that guy, you know, he's he's pretty well known across the entire country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing what we have right here in our backyard. You mentioned several of those options. Tell you what, um, I can't visit with you and talk about local farm-to-tables type stuff without talking about our meat choices <laughs> and things mm-hmm. we can do uh, with meat share programs and different things like that. Also, uh, options for people who, um, you know, are in more poverty and with the SNAP programs, what they can do to, to take advantage of local options. So stay with us as we visit with Charlotte. Tolly. She's with Nourish Knoxville. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI. This is More Living on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with Charlotte Tolly, Nourish Knoxville. And Charlotte, uh, you know, I've had friends buy part of a cow or a hog with another family. When it comes to produce, uh, or many people that think about produce, that it may be a concept, a foreign concept for many, on, on the idea of sharing ownership of a cow. So what is a CSA? How does that work? Community-supported agriculture. So uh, the traditional model is that a customer pays a farmer at the beginning of the season, so it's like literal seed money, um, and then reaps or, I guess, doesn't, um, whatever happens on the farm after that. Um, Most of the way that it works practically is that um, 
you know, a, a customer who's prepaid will get, it's usually like a 20 to $25 value box of vegetables for whatever season that has been agreed upon, 10 weeks, 26 weeks, something like that, picked up wherever they've decided. Um, but those models have really grown. Um, so there's things where, like the one I was mentioning earlier, which you just pay like $25 a year to be a part of it, and then you order what you want. Um, there are people who do a meat CSA or a mushroom CSA or um, like an herbal remedy CSA. So it's partly a way to sort of support a someone that you feel like you want to support um, and then get those things at a regular increment throughout the season. Um, the meat part, you know, some people do it in a, a CSA way, but then there's also just like what you were mentioning, which is, hey, let's buy half of a hog. Um, and not to get too in the weeds, but there's USDA processing versus non-USDA processing. And so a lot of times when you're buying half of a hog, you're buying live weight. So you're buying half of a live hog that the farmer then takes to a slaughterhouse. And then you pick it up usually from that slaughterhouse for whatever it is that you have gone in on. And hopefully you have a big freezer. But yeah, I guess I guess a lot of people were not aware you could do really that approach mm -hmm. with with produce, right? With uh, what you were talking yeah. about, which is kind of yep. cool. Um, now let's talk about accessibility for those on reduced income or those that receive SNAP mm -hmm. benefits. Uh, how is Nourish mm -hmm. Knoxville working to help those folks? Well, we a accept SNAP at farmers markets. Um, so we run New Harvest Farmers Market, Market Square. It'll be on Market Square on Wednesdays, at Mary Costa on Saturdays, and then we work with the Eastside Sunday Market in, in East Knoxville. Um, so all of those markets accept SNAP. We work with a couple partner markets as well, so Oak Ridge and um, Irwin and some others you can see on our website. Um, and so all of those folks accept SNAP benefits. One thing that's a little challenging at farmers markets is it's not like a grocery store where you can pick out everything you want, go through one checkout, and swipe your card. You know, you have to buy separately from each of these tiny stores that represent the vendor. And so you would bring your SNAP card to our information booth and get tokens to spend with any SNAP-eligible food, so meat, eggs, honey, all of it. But then we also offer a program called Double Up Food Bucks. And so you receive up to $20 per day in tokens to spend on free fresh fruits and vegetables at those markets as well. Now, last year you launched the Nourish Community. So can you tell us what are the mm -hmm. objectives of that program? It really started partly from the farmer side. Um, when we opened our our main market in May, we were still under shelter at home. Um, and, you know, farmers were just in the planting stages in March as things were shutting down. And restaurants were shutting down or just being slower. I mean, grocery stores were picking up and folks that had those kinds of options like an online ordering and CSAs, those were going through the roof. But we were seeing just sort of, you know, basically supply chain switching really quickly. Um, and so we were really worried about food going to waste and at the same time knowing that there was a lot of demand. Um, and one of the things that happened is one of our partners reached out, um, Interfaith Health Clinic, which is a low, for low-income individuals, um, that said, you know, this is really great. We're working with Second Harvest, but they've gone to emergency food boxes. So a lot of what we're getting are packaged self-stable foods like 
pasta and that kind of thing that but a lot of our clients um, are pre-diabetic or diabetic or have these also comorbidities for COVID-19 and we really want to get them more fresh produce can can you help us um, and we're like yes we know people that have produce we can get it to you so we applied for a million grants um, and so we had a really high support from our community to help buy some of that produce, keep the farmers planting and told them, you know, we have this money, we will buy it. If no one else will, we will get it to the people that need it. And so we started that in March of last year and, and we've continued it. Um, so we're still doing that where we help purchase produce. We aren't the ones that distribute it generally. We work with partners. We work with Centro Hispano, Bridge Refugee Services, Interfaith Health Clinic, and some senior living towers. Um, that that's some great stuff that you all have. Yeah. yeah, that's some great stuff you've got going on. Hey, we're out of time quickly. How can people learn more about Nourish Knoxville and find all their different local farmers market locations? Easiest thing is nourishknoxville.org. Nourishknoxville.org. Well, Charlotte, thank you so mm -hmm. much for being with us this morning and taking time out of your schedule. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. That's Charlotte Tolley, Nourish Knoxville. Again, nourishknoxville.org. Uh, today we've discussed your health, greater health, and supporting the local economy uh, and local farmers because a greater community provides for more living so you can do the best years of your life your way. Check us out online, broganfinancial.com. If you're interested in my upcoming class at the University of Tennessee, May 4th and the 11th, go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com. That's the name of the class at UT. Again, two two-hour sessions in the evening through their non-credit adult education. Thank you, Jill, producing the show. Thank you, Chris, engineering the board. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend.